0: I'm right, Tim Roy on Warriors.com. We continue to mock the 2013 NBA draft. We do it through the lottery, and we are down to our final pick, the Utah Jazz selecting 14. Let's run down the mock draft, a one through 13. Cleveland on the clock at number one. And their lens Noel from Kentucky goes to the Cavaliers. Ben McLemore of Kansas, now with the Orlando Magic, with the third pick Washington, took Otto Porter, the forward from Georgetown, and the Charlotte Bobcats went forward as well with Anthony Bennett of UNLV. The Phoenix Suns took Victor Oladipo of Indiana, the 20-year-old shooting guard, and then Alex Len of Maryland, he is now a New Orleans Pelican. The Sacramento Kings took Trey Burke with the seventh pick, the point guard from Michigan, C.J. McCall of lehigh went to detroit and minnesota picking number nine took contavious caldwell pope out of georgia the portland trailblazers on the clock at number 10 and their selection was cody zeller the seven footer from indiana philadelphia took shabazz muhammad of ucla now 20 years of age the oklahoma city thunder took stephen adams of pitt another seven footer and then with the 13th pick in our 2013 nba mock draft it was the Guard from Syracuse, Michael Carter-Williams, going to the Dallas Mavericks. And now the Utah Jazz are on the clock with the 14th pick. And who better to tell us about the Jazz than the voice of the Jazz, David Locke. And David, the Jazz came so close last year with a 43-39 and record. But will the Jazz look the same or be relatively the same club next year? A lot of unrestricted contracts on that roster. I
1: think
0: we're going to be dramatically
1: different. Uh, I, my guess, uh, you know, there's a lot of cap room. We only have, I think, six players under contract right now. Uh, but I really look back at the day in which the Jazz traded Darren Williams as uh, when the team changed. Uh, and it's just taken us a long time to get here. And if you look at that same time period, there were, I believe, five or six teams. And, Tim, I'm going to forget one of them coming up here. But there was Denver with Carmelo. There was New Orleans at the time with Chris Paul. There was Dwight Howard in Orlando. There was Chris Bosh in Toronto, and there was LeBron in Cleveland. So i have forgotten one. And all of those teams had these superstars right that were coming up on contracts. And it, at that point, we made the decision to dictate the future of our franchise by trading Darren Williams and acquiring assets. The thing that was tricky about it, though, was that Paul Millsap and Al Jefferson – were, had or had been signed because that was a kind of a impromptu decision when the marketplace opened up for Carmelo and Kevin O'Connor realized wow that you know Carmelo's yielding uh, as many picks as he is we probably should get in on this and uh, so the jazz did unfortunately in that offseason they had signed um, they had signed Al Jefferson, or they had acquired Al Jefferson. They had signed Paul Millsap. Uh, one of the side stories in this, not to get too detailed with you, is that uh, is Memo cores Achilles tendon. is unable to come back, and that you know that furthered this kind of rebuild. So I almost feel like for two years we've been waiting to get to this point where you can clear the roster and now let the young kids take over and probably have some bumps in the road along the way. But I think that this will be a very different team led by Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, Enes Kanter. Uh, and whoever they acquire in the in the draft, along with Alec Burks,
0: and it's interesting. You mentioned uh, those names uh, when we we're taping this particular pick on uh, the day we we're taping. Mark Stott of ESPN had uh, tweeted out that he, he feels that the, the Jazz will let Al Jefferson go somewhere else, and so I am assuming that that's a distinct possibility. Uh,
1: I, I think it makes sense, but I also don't think we know what the market is. Right? Um, you know, I think. Uh, this world is going to be different, and I don't know how many years and offers and what all these players are going to get. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of very short offers. I think there's going to be a lot of one and two year offers, and we can really pay just about anyone anything for one year. So, the scenario by which I would see Al return, I think I generally agree with the premise, but the scenario by which I see Al returning would be the following. And that is that he doesn't get offered much in the open market. He gets a two, a two year twenty five or even a three year thirty years you know something of that nature. And the Jazz come back to him and say, "Hey, you know what? You know, we could really still use your scoring. We don't know how we're scoring without you. Um, what about a?" One year, 15, cause we, or one year, even 18, because we need to spend some money, actually, this year. We have so little contracts. And so that then he gets that and goes back on the free agent market, hoping to find a better marketplace. I don't know if that's the case, but I think that's the scenario where he comes back on a shortened deal while Cantor and Favors are still developing.
0: David Locke is our guest, and he's picking number 14 for the Utah Jazz. I'm Tim Roy here at warriors, uh, dot com. David, let's also, before we... Uh, Go any further. I see Jerry Sloan is back with the organization as an advisor, and that's got to be a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, Jerry, Jerry uh, was tired and left, and you know, quit, retired, stepped away, whatever word you want to use. And then I think got the Jones for it again. And he, as he said in the press conference, I always knew I would miss it, but I, I think he couldn't figure out what the next step was. He, he had been tired and. You know, was kind of worn out from coaching, but then realized that not coaching was not an answer. So what's the in-between stage? And he got offered the Portland job. I think he was pretty deep into the Milwaukee job. I think there were some other possibilities. And yet when he got to the moment to say, yes, I do, he wasn't willing to go to the altar with anyone. And I think there was a realization that, wow, the three- to four-year commitment of being a head coach to a franchise is probably more than, you know, is how I ended up in this situation in the first place. And so he has been incredibly involved. He went to Chicago with the pre-draft camp. He's been at every single draft workout. Um, I think he's going to be a real asset for Tyrone Corbin. And I think making this official gives Jerry a comfort level that he's not stepping on anyone's toes by being around. It gives him a feeling of value and, and, and kind of a, a nice uh, next step in his career. And most importantly, actually, I think it opens a door for Tyrone Corbin to be able to pick up the phone and call Jerry and say, hey, what do you think of this? Or here's the situation, what can I do? And it also allows Jerry to come to Ty and say, hey, I'm noticing this, you might want to try that, without it being, without it being official. Uh, and it's funny, the media's approach on this, Tim, was, well, this could be awkward. I actually think what was more awkward was before it was official, because Ty really couldn't go to Jerry. It was kind of a weird thing. Like, you go to Jerry and say, uh, you know, can you help me out on this? Or even Jerry, if Jerry came to tie, I think it would have been really strange. So this, I think, opens the door for that communication.
0: So if the Jazz are looking at the board, and the board is, as our mock draft has gone through, uh, when David Stern goes to the podium, and actually the Jazz have three picks in this draft, we should mention, 14, 21, and 46.
1: Thank you very much, Golden State.
0: Yes, you are entirely welcome.
1: Uh, (laughs) You did a a nice job to make sure we got 21 instead of 9. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, it, it worked out very well for the Warriors, by the way. We, we, we were yeah. really happy the way it all worked out. Uh, so with the 14th pick, uh, David Sir goes to the podium, and what does he say?
1: Well, I think the Jazz obviously have a, a glaring need at point guard. Uh, and But I also think that there are two point guards in this draft that people can believe are going to be starters at some point, and I actually am not as convinced as everyone else I'm not as sold on Trey Burke, but he's a pretty special kid, so he'll probably overcome some of his deficiencies. And Michael Carter Williams is a really interesting player. Uh, and I know the Jazz have spent a lot of time on him, and, are, and I think he's high on you know their interest level because he's a true point guard. But if he goes 13, then the Jazz have a very interesting decision. Uh, their point guard, the point guards now on the board are Schroeder out of Germany, Larkin. Isaiah Cannon out of Murray State, Green out of Virginia Tech. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. Um, and I don't know, let me ask you, Tim. You know this draft as well. if you look at those four and you're the Jazz also sitting there at twenty one, you take one of those at fourteen, or do you figure the separation amongst those four, they're all backups basically, is is minimal and you wait to twenty one or do you take or do you pull the trigger at fourteen?
0: I think you take the the best the best guy regardless of position at fourteen, knowing that one of those guys will be there at twenty one, and if it's uh, Schroeder, then I think he's he would be a good fit.
1: So Schroeder's an interesting player. Then if you're talking, you know, if you're talking best guy on the board, you're probably now in integrating uh, the conversation into Rudy Gobert, the seven foot two Frenchman who uh, standing under the rim only has three inches so he can touch the rim. If he goes on his tippy toes, I think he touches it. Uh, you're talking about Kelly Olynyk, a very refined twenty two year old uh, third big who probably compliments uh, favors and canter well, or you're talking the Bay, the young Brazilian. So, um, and I and I will point out, by the way, I don't think Shabazz Muhammad going to go. I think Shabazz Muhammad going to be on the board, which is really interesting because we don't have anyone who can score, and he can score. But he had 27 assists in the entire season last year at UCLA, um, which means with, that with he a high usage actually rate. recognizes a five-player game. Um, so if I've got to choose – I'm going to go – this is me, not the Jazz. I'm going to go wild card here. I'm going to go Rudy Gobert.
0: Okay, Rudy Gobert, the the uh, big Frenchman. Of course, uh, some mock drafts I've seen uh, David have him going in the twenties, but I think that's also I think the mock drafts this year are going to be way off after the first seven picks because I think you could have a guy, say in our mock draft, who's taken eight or nine. He could go down to twenty depending on you know what other teams think because it, it looks like it's very balanced from like five to twenty five
1: um whose dad I think played professionally in France so he's from a basketball background and but has been coached very little or you're gonna take the lightning fast with the Rajon Rondo reach point guard uh and Dennis Schroeder, who's nineteen and has a very you know very unrefined game and is probably two or three years out both of them are probably two or three years out at this point it's it's an interesting I think those are the two choices to some extent or you're taking. You know the Shane Larkin, who's five, has physical limitations that are going to preclude him from probably doing certain things, but otherwise his game is refined. Or the Kelly Olenek, whose game, who is uh, again, has physical limitations uh, with lack of reach and lack of explosiveness, but his game's pretty well refined. I, I don't have any idea what they're doing. I think a little bit of it is if they're trying to shoot for a thirty-five minute a night starter down the road, which is probably a stretch, or if they're content with a eighteen to twenty-two minute a night. Um, rotation player, and if they're going on the ladder, then they probably decide between Larkin and Olenek, whether they're going big or small, and if they're shooting the moon, they're probably deciding between Schroeder and Gobert, so I decided to shoot the moon big, which is generally a nice way to, you know, I'm from Seattle uh, in my career, so in the lineage of Robert Swift, Mo Senna, and Johan Petro, I just took a a big. It's probably not a good idea, Tim.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Obscure centers for 30, Alex. Thank you. Uh... (laughs) Yes. Well, Gobert
1: has... Uh, by, by the way, can I jump in? I agree with yes. you. Um, and I think the Sacramento, and for the three people that are still listening to this, I think the Sacramento pick is the most interesting in this entire draft. And it's with a GM who just took over. is having kids in, as we speak today, for a second time so we can see them in, in person. Um, but the Sacramento pick, to me, is the pick that kind of moves this draft where it's going to, which direction it's going to go. Um who, who, you guys had him taking Trey Burke, is that right?
0: Correct, yeah, Trey Burke.
1: See, but I again, think there's a chance if they could go big there, then suddenly Burke goes to Detroit at 8, if I have this correct. Now suddenly some of those cards are dropping, and the Jazz suddenly may end up with one of those. You know, Karasov sneaks in there as a shooter for for Dallas at 13, and Michael Carter-Williams is on the board at 14. Um, or even, I mean, CJ. let's say Detroit really wants C.J. McCollum, what gets really interesting to me is if you look and you have it in front of you, and I don't. But if you look at after Sacramento seven and Detroit eight, am I right? I'm right on that, I think.
0: Right. They they took Burke and then McCollum went to Detroit with the Caldwell yeah. Pope going to Minnesota.
1: If a point, if two point guards. So there's really three point guards: McCollum, Burke, and Michael Carter Williams. And I'm not sure McCollum's a point guard, but that's how he's being uh, right. viewed. Right. If if they if if Detroit. In Sacramento, don't play along. The next four teams all have point guards,
0: right? So it's it's right? it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Because, well, in 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 uh, this draft, it went Burke, McCollum, Caldwell Pope as a shooting guard, and then then you know Zeller was the big guy taken by Portland. But but I I, I think this whole like I said, I, th- I think you're right. I think right at seven is really where it it starts to level off. I think the top six. I think those are the guys who more than likely are going to go in the top six. I think it's pretty, Those guys are pretty solid. If one of them drops, it's going to be to seven, or, or at the very latest eight. But after that, when you get to Burke, you know what if what if Sacramento goes big and all of a sudden maybe Detroit rethinks and says, you know what, maybe we should uh, grab a big guy too, or or maybe they take Burke to try to bolster their guard line. So it's it's really interesting. It could shuffle right in that seven, eight, nine. A quarter so to speak and we could have on draft day uh, david an entirely different scenario uh staring the jazz in the face
1: well i think stephen adams is another one you know uh we just talked about the point guard slip and bigs usually don't slip but the other angle on this would be what happens if everyone goes guard right there right so um sacramento takes burke and the Detroit takes Michael Carter-Williams, and Portland takes C.J. McCollum. And now all of a sudden, you know, Cody Zeller, Stephen Adams, all these guys are on the board, Shabazz Muhammad, and it only takes one team there doing something you don't anticipate. And suddenly some of these thought of top ten seven-footers are on the board at 15 and 14 and wherever they're going to be, which, you know, I know I've listened to all your podcasts, and you talk about whether the Warriors – would jump into this draft. I mean, I think that's where suddenly you've evaluated a player that you really like, and you say, well, we can't go get him at 8. Well, all of a sudden, Dallas is sitting at 13, and the players on the board that you like, and you're the Warriors, maybe you can go get them because, you know, Dallas supposedly wants to move 13 and doesn't want to add the
0: salary. All right, exactly. Well, uh, David, we appreciate uh, your time here, and so Gobert is the pick, the uh, seven foot Did I really do that? You should I really do. Did. Man, you got. I gotta stick the radio. <laughs> Your phone's not gonna be ringing on draft night. They're not gonna say, "What do you yeah, think?" Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I, 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 I think that was. You know, I, I, I probably got booed. I got booed at our draft party for that. <laughs>
0: All right, David. Thank you so much, as always, uh, for your time. and And if people want to follow you to keep uh, updated on those uh, three picks with the Jazz, and of course, you do a lot of uh, coverage of the NBA and a lot of breakdowns on all these players. How do they follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at, at @LockedOnSports. Locked On Sports. You need to follow him as I do, David. Always a pleasure.
1: Great. Nice to chat with you. Sad RC for me.
0: So there you go. We have mocked the entire lottery of the 2013 NBA draft. We hope you enjoyed our coverage, and you can respond to us here at warriors.com and let us know what you think about our mock draft as we get ready for the 2013 NBA draft. We'll have a special draft show on the KNBR 680 on Thursday night, so make sure you uh, come back for that. But again, we thank you for participating in our 2013 NBA Mock Draft. I'm Tim Roy for Warriors.com.